Entrepreneur on Fire bonus, June 2015 income report. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire, where I chat with today's most inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. Ready to rock your own podcast? Text podcast course to 33444. That's podcast course, all one word, no spaces, to 33444. And you'll be rocking our free 15-day podcast course in no time flat. Ignite. Hey. (laughs) What's shaking fire nation? JLD here joined as always by Kate and Josh, Mr. CPA on fire himself. And we have quite the income report for you. June was a pretty awesome month for a lot of reasons. We had a couple catastrophes to uh, to tease you a little bit there. And we're definitely going to get into that and how you can prevent a similar catastrophe. Uh, but real quick, June's 2015 income at a glance. Our gross income for June was $388,643. Our expenses were $98K, $98,000, for a total net profit of $290,174. So $136,000 less than May. But as we talked about in May, and as we'll talk about in a little bit, there is a very definite reason for that. So we're really happy with the income for this month on all accounts. And, you know, we have a lot of things to talk about today. So I don't want to mess around, but I do want to have Kate say hello. So what's up, Kate? Hey, Fire Nation. Hello, John. <laughs> I feel I feel like Mr. John Lee Dumas himself today because I'm actually sitting in your seat recording this today. You're in the fire studio. And I guess we can even start with that because we're 3,312 miles from each other right now. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. <laughs> I'm still in Maine, Fire Nation, till July 14th. Kate actually was in Maine for a week and she just flew out yesterday and uh, now is back at the fire studio pad. So she's recording from the mothership and uh, I'm just looking at my laptop, overlooking a lake in Maine, talking into an ATR 2100. So, uh, hey, podcasting, lifestyle, independent, location independent. That's what it's all about. Um, so good stuff. How's, how's the home front, Kate? It's good. I landed exactly nine hours ago. So, well, <laughs> but all is good. Our, the bay is looking beautiful as ever, as I'm sure. Actually, our views are quite similar right now. I'm looking over the bay. You're looking over a beautiful lake. Um, but speaking of travel and everything, John, why don't you kick off with your uh, speaking in San Francisco? Oh, well, that was a pretty uh, cool part of the month. It was right at the end of it, actually, right at the end of June. Myself and Pat Flynn uh, took off out of San Diego. We flew up to San Francisco and then drove a little south into Silicon Valley slash uh, Cupertino type area right next to the Apple headquarters, where we presented at a great conference called Rock the Stage by uh, that was put on by Josh Shipp, who's a past guest of Entrepreneur on Fire. In fact, one of the top 10 past guests. So definitely was excited to get on stage and, uh, and chat um, to his audience, which are youth speakers around the world. So uh, that was a blast. And we used a, a great app that we'll be talking about in a little bit called Periscope. So I think even some people that were listening 
got to watch me present from stage from Periscope, which is pretty cool. So uh, it was a great, great conference, Kate. Yeah. I mean, you said that how many people were there? 150 to 200-ish. Nice. And you were there with Pat Flynn as well, right? Yeah. Pat came from San Diego with me. Nice. Love it. I wish I could have been there in person. It sounds like there was, it was a really great event all around. It was. And one thing that I talked about per, uh, per, personally was podcasting. Shocking. Um, but a lot of people that were in the audience were asking me, they're saying, John, you know, what is up with podcasting? Like we speak in front of high schools. Like, you know, we are really looking to spread our message, spread our brand. But how can you do that via a podcast? And there's a lot of ways and we've talked about a lot of them. But you know, one thing that I do want to focus on today, and, and Kate, I think this would be a great thing to lead off with uh, before we bring on Mr. CPA on fire himself to talk about a pretty cool topic as well, um, is lead digits. Because lead digits is something that, as somebody that presents from stage a lot, can utilize from stage, from their podcast, et cetera, and something that's, you know, with our close relationship with Lead Pages, who's the creator of Lead Digits, and Tim Page himself from Conversion Cast, you know, I got the hand holding and the teaching on how to best use Lead Digits. And a lot of you actually in, in the intros and outros of Entrepreneur on Fire are now hearing me say things along the lines of, hey, if you want to come and join the next Podcasters Paradise Workshop, just text Paradise to 33444. Or hey, if you want to join the free podcast course, text podcast course to 33444. Or hey, if you want to get on our newsletter, EO Fire to 33444. You know, we mix it up, only one call to action for sure per intro and outro. But what we're seeing now is that because we're doing that and a lot of people are listening to podcasts via smartphones on the go, that they're doing this. And, you know, we've actually posted a graphic where we've had, you know, over 127 opt-ins to our newsletter from this one call to action that we just implemented in June. So it's pretty exciting to see the success and that it does work. And uh, I think we even have a, um, a lead digit for you, Kate. Yeah, I, well, actually, I haven't used it yet, so I don't know what hmm. it is. It's the fire path. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the fire path? Yes. Yeah. The fire path to three, three, four, four, four. So yeah, all of these that you've said are, they're live right now. Anybody could text in any of those, even just to check it out and see how the system works. What I love about lead digits, John, that's a bit different from the text in that we were using before because we have tested this out before, but I don't know. Well, our testing period, of course, is, is quite small because like John said, we just started doing this in June. But what I love about lead digits is it makes it super easy for people to opt in. But the text part of it is actually only that initial opt in period. So people aren't necessarily opting in to get text reminders, although I suppose you could set that up in Infusionsoft if you wanted to. But for us, what people are doing is opting in via text, just like they would at, on an actual URL web page. So it's basically just making the user experience and uh, the uh, convenience, I suppose, for your end user, you know, right there. They're already listening to your podcast. Chances are they're on their smartphone. You're just making it really easy to get them from your podcast to your newsletter list or whatever opt-in list you're talking about. So that's what I really love about Lead Digits is it just, I think the user experience is so clean, so simple um, and awesome. No, cool things all around. I mean, what we have to just realize as content producers 
is you need to give your audience, your listeners, whoever that might be, the opportunity to consume your content how they want to. And that's one reason why podcasting is amazing because they can choose how to do that. But now, you know, don't make them go back to a desktop computer or go to a um, you know, a, a website page to have to log in their email. I mean, I hate having to type in John at entrepreneuronfire.com. It takes me like 15 minutes to do. But if I can just text, you know, and I will say slight correction, it is just Firepath because we didn't want that the in there. So if you do text Firepath to 33444, you'll be one of the first people to do so and Kate will be really happy. But, you know, you can give them that opportunity to do so in the manner that they want to. And that's really powerful. So definitely check out Lead Digits. We're finding success with it. We're growing our audience because of it. And some other people are using it to incredible success. Um, Amy Porterfield is definitely one who uses it on her podcast. Um, so a lot of good things all around. And Kate, I'm getting a little kind of nervous right now because I, I'm about to talk about the catastrophe that happened in June. Um, but you know, before we get there, um, again, that's just the second teaser for this because it was just a catastrophe. We are going to bring in Josh Bowerly because Josh is our CPA on fire. He's going to be talking today about four tips to securing a mortgage as an entrepreneur. And let me tell you, it's not easy. They, they don't even care if they see a seven-figure bank account. They want to see monthly salary income coming in. Um, this is how you as an entrepreneur can utilize these four tips. So without any further ado, Josh Bowerly, break it down for us. What are these four tips? Introduce yourself, say hi. Let's get into this. Hey, what's up, Fire Nation? This is Josh with CPM Fire. And this month for our income report tip, I have something a little diff- different for you. You know, most months we're here talking about all the financial benefits of being an entrepreneur, whether it's how you can pay yourself, all the tax savings you can get, but we'd be lying if we said that everything was better as an entrepreneur, right? There's got to be some things that are more difficult. There's got to be some barriers to entry, something that keeps people away. And over the past month, I've discovered one of those disadvantages, buying a house or more specifically securing a mortgage to buy that house. As an employee, the process of getting a mortgage and verifying your income for that mortgage is pretty straightforward, right? I mean, you, you, you got to show them your W-2s, maybe a few recent pay stubs to show that your income's still where it was, and they're going to be able to see that your income is what you say it is. As an entrepreneur, as a business owner, things are unfortunately much more difficult. Um, this is even more true after the financial and housing crisis of 2008. Now, unfortunately, the industry is kind of less trusting of entrepreneurs, I guess you might say. And what they need, they, they need special circumstances to verify that income. You can't just show them a W-2. You can't just show them a pay stub. Most of you probably don't even have that for yourself within your business. Okay, so... It's not impossible. It can be done. As I learned, I I did successfully buy that house we were trying to buy, but things are more difficult. So this month, we're going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to give you four tips to securing a mortgage as an entrepreneur. Okay, so tip number one, you're going to likely need at least two years of tax returns. And your mortgage lender is probably going to want to see two full years of these tax returns. And where this is a problem is if you're in your first or first year and a half of business, you don't have those full two years in yet, and you can't show them two full years of tax returns. That's going to be hard to get a mortgage. They're probably going to want to see those two full years. The other item to note here is they're going to average the income of those two years to come up with what your income actually is. 
So let's say you made $20,000 your first year in business and $80,000 your second year in business. Instead of treating your income like it's $80,000 a year, as they would if you were an employee, what they're going to do is average those two years together and come up with a net income of $50,000. So for the purposes of looking at your mortgage, they're going to consider you to make $50,000 a year. And this can really be a disadvantage for people who are especially in their first few years of business. You know, most people grow that business slowly. They don't start out right away making $100,000 a year, $200,000 a year. So this can hurt you in your first few years of business. It's something you'll definitely want to note. Um, it, you need to plan ahead, basically, if you're in those first few years and you maybe had lower income in that first year. And finally, this is another good reason not to delay in filing your tax returns, as entrepreneurs are unfortunately prone to doing. Okay, you got to have those, those tax returns filed and ready to go in order to get that mortgage. Okay, so tip number two. Some expenses may be able to be added back into your income. The bad news is all these great tax deductions that we talk about all, every month, all these, these tax planning strategies you're putting into place, they are going to hurt you when it comes time to getting your mortgage. And the reason is it makes your net income appear lower than it actually is. Okay, So it reduces your taxable income, reduces the taxes you pay, but also shows that net income lower, which is what they use to decide your mortgage. The good news is many of these expenses, if you're working with a good lender are going to be able to be added back into your net income. So things like depreciation, mileage, maybe meals and entertainment, maybe cell phone expenses. It kind of depends on the lender you're working with. But a lot of these expenses, they will look at and put back into your income so they're not hurting you. So if you're showing $50,000 net income on your tax return, you have $10,000 depreciation, a lot of these lenders will consider your income to be $60,000 and not $50,000 due to the expense addbacks. Okay, so make sure you ask your lender about addback expenses. If they don't know what you're talking about, they say they can't do it, you probably want to get a different lender. Number three, your debt is a big deal. Okay, it's no secret that debt is generally not a good thing. But as an entrepreneur, there's there's a good chance you had some of it to get your business running. Okay, maybe you piled up some credit card debt to, to fund the business to get it going. Maybe you just keep a little bit of extra money on a credit card or a loan each month because you like to have that extra money in the bank instead of paying it off. Whatever the reason, unfortunately, this debt is going to hurt you when it comes time to buying a home. Basically, what the lender is going to look at is the amount of money you pay towards debt each month versus the amount of money you take home each month. Okay, so if you owe various lenders $2,000 in debt payments each month, they're going to compare that to the amount of money you bring in each month. And if that ratio is not high enough, they're going to decline you. So one simple tip here is call those lenders up. If you can't pay it off right away and eliminate that debt payment, a lot of them will lower that for you just by requesting it. Okay, so maybe you have a credit card that has a minimum debt payment of $300 a month. You call them up, ask them if you can get that reduced to $200 a month. A lot of them will work with you on that just by calling. Okay, so obviously the best case scenario, pay off the debt. If you can't do that, call those lenders up, ask them if they can reduce the minimum monthly payment. That's going to help you incredibly when it comes to getting your mortgage. Finally, tip number four, I want you to use a lender that's specifically experienced in working with the self-employed. You know, I, I always say this about working with a tax professional or a CPA. You want to work with someone who understands your line of work. You want to work with someone who specifically works with entrepreneurs. A mortgage broker or a lender is no different. 
I highly, highly recommend finding someone who works heavily or even exclusively with entrepreneurs, someone who can, can, who can guide you through what is a difficult and long process. Okay, this one tip alone could very well be the difference between landing your dream house and de- getting declined on that mortgage. Find someone experienced working with self-employed. So as with all areas of finance, securing a mortgage as an entrepreneur is going to take you a little bit more time, a little bit more planning. If you plan to buy a house, if you're self-employed, follow these four tips. It's going to make your life much easier. It's a difficult process. I can tell you I made it through it. I'm recording this looking out my window of my nice new house here. It's all worth it in the end. Follow these tips. It'll make your life more easy. As always, I'm happy to talk to Fire Nation. Shoot me an email, josh at cpionfire.com. I'm on Twitter at cpionfire. Check out our website, cpionfire.com. We'll talk to you next month, Fire Nation. Josh, you are the man. Thank you for being a rock star. I know that this educated me. I know it educated a lot of people within Fire Nation. And uh, I hope that we build some Fire Nation houses out there uh, off the backs of this great information for sure. And listen, Fire Nation, without any further ado, let's talk about the catastrophe that happened to me in June. And I can't stress it enough. It was a catastrophe. Um, One of the things that I gave away um, for joining Podcasters Paradise during our, we had a, a Podcasters Paradise closing of the doors the first four days of May, and we closed Podcasters Paradise to new members for all of May. I'm going to talk a little bit about, a little more about that in a little bit. Um, but one, long story short, one of the bonuses I gave was an eight-minute chat with me if you joined on day one, um, and 87 people did. So, I had to do a lot of eight-minute chats, and I lined them all up for a Saturday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I was back-to-back all day. My calendar was actually kind of giggle-worthy because it was just back. Every eight minutes was taken up. It was crazy, but I committed to it. I sat down. I crushed it. I was 90% done. I was at like number 76 of 87. And I finished the call. I went to grab my cup of water real quick and take a quick sip before making my next call. And I spilt it. And it was just the worst possible timing and angle. And just picture this puddle of water just moving way too fast for you to do anything about just towards your Mac Tower. Now, I'm not sure if many people can picture the Mac Tower if you haven't seen it, but it's this gray circular tower and it has a fan at the bottom of it. And the water slid right underneath the fan and the water got sucked right up the fan and my entire computer went black and it wouldn't power on. The tower wouldn't power on. The actual monitor wouldn't power on. Everything was toast. It was a Saturday, um, so I panicked. You know, I went into Kate's room. She was actually gone at the time and I turned on um, her computer and finished the calls um, I had to reschedule a couple that were missed during that little panic period. Um, but then I was able to log on and I just happened to make a appointment for the Apple Genius Bar right down the road to take this in. So then I lugged it down there and they said, hey, we're going to have to do a complete cleanup of the entire inside. You might lose all the memory. So you need to get a memory backup because we don't do memory backup and we don't, we don't agree. You know, you might lose everything. You have to do this at a at an off-site store that specializes in it. So I had to wait till Monday. 
with no computer, go in, pay a significant amount of money to get my, my memory backed up. Then I took it back to the Mac store on Monday. It took them four days. They fixed it. You know, it ended up being the logic board melted down. They were able to replace it. And I didn't lose any memory, so I didn't even have to go through that extra step. But you know, they said that they didn't know if that was going to be the case. So that was like a step I had to take in reality. And now I am back to normal. But I learned a massive lesson. We need to be very intentional about our backups. Now, I own Carbonite, so I was never on uber stress mode because I knew that all of my files were up in the cloud and I could get them. But, you know, I didn't want to have to do a full reinstall from Carbonite because it had a bunch of stuff that I had been clearing off. My actual, like my computer was just, had been perfectly tuned where Carbonite was just where everything was going to all the time. So I didn't want to have to go that route, but I knew I had that route if I needed it. I also did a weekly backup with my passport. So one terabyte, you just plug it into the USB and it does a weekly backup. So that was my second backup I did every single week. So at the most, I was just going to miss six days worth of of um, memory and of saved material. But I just, I'm stressing to you, Fire Nation, don't take this lightly. You never know in this day and age. Have two backup plans in place. Mine's Carbonite, which is cloud backup. My secondary one is that weekly backup on my Mac Passport, the one terabyte uh, drive that I have. It's like a separate drive. It's like $79 on Amazon, I think. I plug it in once a week, takes about five minutes, and it backs up a whole new copy of my computer. Um, critical, critical, critical. And man, I'll tell you, it would have been an unbelievable amount of data lost had it not been recovered and I didn't have the backups. It would have been months and months worth of unpublished episodes that would have been down the drain. So that's my word to the wise. Kate, what do you want to say about this? I'm so stressed out right now. Right. <laughs> that's a, I mean, I think that's a thing that everybody can relate to is that moment when you realize, like, I mean, I've dropped my phone in the sink before when the water was running and it's gone black. And, you know, yes, it's a lot about the memory and the storage and everything that you've potentially just lost, which to your point, John, you can safeguard yourself against that with the tools and resources that you mentioned. But it's also just that sinking feeling of, oh my gosh. I mean, it was a split second that I did something to cause this to happen. And now everything that I'm about to have to embark on, like this journey that I'm going to have to start to correct course to figure out how I can make this better, how I'm going to fix my tower, how I'm going to fix my phone, what the cost of that is going to be. I mean, I know everyone can relate to that feeling. But luckily, we do have things like the passport, like Carbonite, that will at least give us peace of mind that no matter what happens to the actual physical product, we're not losing all of that hard work, all of that memory, all of that, you know, all the podcast episodes that you have saved on your computer. Um, I mean, that stuff is what's priceless. And so thankfully, we have these amazing resources that can help us with that peace of mind. Huge, huge. Make it a calendar events that you know that you are backing yourself up when it needs to be. You know, check that Carbonite connection. Make sure it's still doing the backups at least once a week. Have that calendar reminder remind you to do that. You know, that other 
um, backup that I use, use with the Passport for Mac. There's great ones for PCs as well. Um, but moving on, because again, um, this is stressing both Kate and I out a little too much here, and we want to talk about cool new tools that are out there in the world. Um, number one is Periscope, and number two is Clamor. Um, we've already given a little uh, kind of sneak peek about how we've been using Periscope with an entrepreneur fire. So we're going to dive into that first. And really quickly, in a nutshell, Periscope is live video streaming. It's owned by Twitter. So if you, if I go to my Periscope app on my i6 Plus and I press live broadcast, a tweet goes out to my 30-odd thousand followers that says, hey, John is periscoping um, right now. And people can just click the link and boom, whatever I'm live periscoping, live video um, streaming, they're seeing. If it's my face, if it's um, I'm at a conference, whatever that might be, they're seeing that. They can comment. They can double tap the screen like an Instagram to, to, to like it so we know that, oh, like there's some hearts floating by. Like They like that. That's cool. And it's a great way for you to interact with your audience live. I, I can press Periscope right now, um, and I could get between 50 to 100 people immediately. 50 to 100 people. Picture that. Live interacting with me, talking to me, asking me questions, whatever that might be. Phenomenal. A cool, quick way that we recently used this is I was up at that conference that we talked about, Rock the Stage. Pat was on stage. I periscoped using my periscope, and there was only 150 people in the audience or so. I had 134 people watching Pat Periscope, uh, watching Pat via Periscope on stage for his presentation. Flipped the script when I got on stage, Pat Periscoped me, and we all know Pat Flynn and his raving fans. He actually got 434 people to watch me on stage give my presentation. So almost three times the amount of people that were in the audience were watching me on Periscope. I mean, this is just the amazing opportunity that we live in this world now that these things are possible. You know, I'll kick it off sometimes when I'm on the balcony and I'll just say, hey guys, I'm just going to hang out as the sun sets. Ask me any questions you have about podcasting. Let's do this. And it's been a blast. Um, we've posted some pretty good images on the income report, which is eofire.com slash income 22 um, that you can go and check out and see that we have a map so you can see people all over the world who are following me on Periscope. I now have 2,468 followers on Periscope. I've received 54,000 hearts on Periscope. Um, it's just crazy. And then, by the way, that, that live streaming video, that's good for, for 24 hours. You can go back in and rewatch that before it disappears off of the Twitter servers. So it's an unbelievable opportunity for you to start building up some live connection, interaction with your audience. I have nothing but great things to say about it. It's a blast. We have fun. Um, when I was here in Maine, I was, on a, I was on a car ride with my mother. She was driving. My uh, four-year-old niece, Casey, was in the back. I had Casey sing a song to Fire Nation, and they loved it, and Casey loved it. Uh, four years old, rocking and rolling, a Frozen song. So it was so much fun. It's a blast. And um, Kate, what do you have to say about it? What I think is really cool, a couple of things that you just mentioned like these video streams are good for 24 hours. So I love that Periscope is actually building in a little bit of urgency there. Like the fear of missing out FOMO, which we refer to it as, <laughs> um, you know, people want to be in your world. People want to see what you have going on. And John, you touched on the ability of Periscope to help you build those relationships with your audience, help you make those connections. 
I personally think that it would probably be a bit tough to actually build your audience from Periscope. But if you already have an audience that you're looking to connect with on another level, that you're looking to share some of maybe your behind the scenes type of stuff with, then I think Periscope could be a really cool way to do it. I also want to um, point out the fact, like you said, John, um, you know, if you press record on Periscope right now, which I was going to say it would be pretty cool if you did that, but I'm <laughs> I'm actually a little afraid of your bandwidth. Um, but what would be really cool about that is there's probably a lot of people out there that would think that would um, you know feel pretty cool about getting a behind the scenes look of us actually recording our income report. You know, not just tuning into iTunes once it goes live and listening to it along with however many other people, couple hundred thousand other people, but you're actually listening to it. As as we're recording it on Periscope on your channel. So um, a couple really cool things about it there. Again, I would like the 24 hour thing because it's not something that people can go back to all the time. Like you kind of have to be tuned in and it's in real time. It's not like a year later, I'm going to check out John, you in the car with your mom and Casey. That was something that was happening right then and there. And that makes me really feel a part of that if I'm tuning into your Periscope. What would you say, like, if there's somebody out there saying, okay, gosh, I already have like 15 things I'm working on. Now you're talking about Periscope. How do, how should somebody judge who's listening right now, whether or not Periscope, and we're about to talk about Clamor in a second too. How do people decide whether or not this is something that they should check out? What would you say? Well, what I love is that this always comes back to the avatar question. And and that's where we always need to keep our focus. What is your perfect listener, viewer going to want? And to be frank, like Fire Nation, my avatar, they want a little more behind the scenes. They want a little more, you know, JLD of, you know, kind of off script and just random and just hanging out and just answering a question and, you know, having a hat on and a tank top and just chilling. They want a little bit of that, and that's my avatar, and so I know that, and I deliver that. And so really knowing your avatar and knowing that you want to deliver the kind of content that they want, that they need, um, in a way that they want to, then that's going to be your answer. And it might be that Periscope is not the way that your um, avatars are going to want to consume your content, and that's great. So don't waste your time doing it, because all you have is time. And you know, I just was talking earlier today about you saying yes to something, you're saying no to everything else that you could be doing at that. So, you know, it's a judgment call. Um, it's something fun to try. Get some feedback from your listeners and uh, go forward. Yeah, I like that. Great advice. Uh, so should we check out Clamor? Well, let's check out Clamor. And I'm actually just going to say this. You know, I've been hearing about Clamor for a while. I've heard some great things about it, but I just had it on the back burner because I had a lot of stuff going on. Kate actually had a conversation with one of the founders. So she really got into Clamor before I did. So why don't you take the lead on this? Yeah, so I jumped on actually, okay, so we talk a lot about reaching out to people, building relationships, and everybody's like, gosh, this is so elusive. And I don't really understand how I just build a relationship with someone or how I connect with a company. Kind of a cool story behind Clamor. So April Perry, who's the host and founder of Power of Moms, um, she came back from a conference and she uh, she's part of one of the masterminds that I'm in. And so we were chatting and she goes, Kate, you are not going to believe this new app that I found out about at this conference. It's called Clamor. I absolutely love it. I'm obsessed with it right now. I'm going to create a video for you. I really want you to check it out. 
a couple of weeks go by, I kind of forget about it. And then one day I'm on Twitter and I saw April post about Clamor on Twitter. So I went to the Twitter Clamor uh, channel, channel, the Twitter feed for Clamor. (laughs) And um, I literally sent them a tweet and said at Clamor, I would love to get kind of a, you know, little rundown tutorial from somebody at your company about how to use Clamor. They I think t- you ended the tweet by saying, I'm kind of a big deal, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, but <laughs> uh... I hashtag EO fire. <laughs> um, I got a tweet back and somebody from their company was like, that's awesome. We'd love to chat with you. Email this person. I sent an email and a couple of days later, like John, you said, I'm chatting on the phone with Parviz and he's walking me through how to use Clamor. So uh, that I thought that was just kind of a cool little, you know, straightforward example. I just went on Twitter and went to Clamor's feed sent them a tweet, said I wanted to learn about it. They tweeted me back. I did the work to reach out to them and set up a time with them. And I had an amazing chat with Parviz and got to meet, you know, one of the head guys over there at Clamor. So that is kind of like the lead in to how we started, you know, discovering Clamor. After I get this overview, John, I came out here and said, oh my gosh, we've got to start checking out Clamor. It looks like such a cool tool. So after all of that, what is Clamor? <laughs> so <laughs> it is an app on your on iOS or Android, and it allows you to advertise your podcast episodes with an 18-second audio clip. So everything on Clamor, if you go and download the Clamor app right now, and it's going to, you know, have you build a profile, it's going to ask you what your interests are. Are you interested in business? Are you interested in fitness? Are you interested in entertainment? Are you interested in music? And it's going to start to create channels for you. And every single thing on your Clamor dashboard, I guess you could say, is an 18 second audio clip. So for example, If I wanted to advertise an 18-second audio clip of Kate's Take, one of my podcast episodes, I would go to my Clamor app, I would hit the record button, I'd grab the podcast episode, which it will automatically pull from your phone. So like on my iPhone, if I click that I want to share one of my episodes, it's going to pull from the podcast app, one of my podcast episodes. I select the 18 second audio clip that I want to share, which can be any part of my podcast episode. And then I hit publish. Now, anybody else on Clamor who has an interest in, you know, has a business channel and who might be following me on Clamor is going to see that 18 second audio clip. If they like what they hear or are intrigued enough, they can click it and it's actually going to take them to my entire podcast episode. So it's a really cool tool. If you have a podcast and you're looking to promote your episodes through sharing an 18 second bit, that's going to link back to your entire MP3 episode, giving you great discoverability potential, giving you a better chance of being found by people for your podcast. And it's just a really cool way to share stuff with your audience and share stuff with people who are interested in learning about what you're talking about. Another thing that's really cool is it doesn't even have to be an actual part of your podcast episode that you share. If you wanted to just press record and talk into your phone, you could say anything you want. 
just as long as it's less than 18 seconds. John, what do you think about Clamor? If I had to sum up Clamor in one sentence, it would be basically the audio version of Twitter. Because with Twitter, you're limited to 140 characters and you have to get your point across quickly and efficiently. Clamor is the same way. You have 18 seconds to get your point across or to take uh, an 18-second clip from content you've already created, which is actually what I currently do, and publish it. So it's a great way to kind of have a teaser. It's like a little bit of a trailer for your podcast episode. And so for me, we're using Clamor every single day. You're able to schedule it out and just have it go live every single day, much like a podcast episode. And what I do is I start the Clamor right when I say, Kate, are you prepared to ignite? You know, we get the funny little response there. And then I kick into like the 50 word bio and then I hand it over to the guest. And by that time, usually the 18 seconds are up. But my thought process there is that the listeners at least gotten a taste of who I'm interviewing that day. And if it's appealing to them, then they'll click the hear more button, which is very accessible right below the audio clip, and they'll kick into the entire episode. So we're doing that every single day. We're definitely growing our Clamor um, audience. And it's just a, another discoverability mechanism. And as podcast hosts, as content producers, as entrepreneurs, we need to explore these to see if there is a hit. You know, and after a couple months, it's not something that I see is really taken off and it's not worth my time, then you know, we'll probably go away from. But that's another amazing thing about having systems and getting to the point where you get their virtual assistants because now it's a one day a month task for my virtual assistant to go in and to upload the next 30 clamors scheduling for the next 30 days. So you can systematize this and make the most of the clamor. So there's a lot of good things there. I'm excited. And uh, anything we're forgetting about Clamor, Kate? No, I think that's it. I mean, I definitely encourage people to check it out. I, I think, again, this is very much like Periscope. If you don't have a podcast, then Clamor is not going to be for you, probably, unless you want to discover a podcast that way. But as an actually, as an actual, um, you know, business building tool for you, it probably is not going to be helpful. So, you know, you have to make that judgment call. If you feel overwhelmed by a lot of other things going on and you don't think that Clamor is going to help you grow your business, then, you know, hopefully you learn some cool things about it today and you can move on. If you do think it sounds cool and that it might help you grow your podcast audience, then go ahead and check it out. Be consistent on the platform for a month and see if it moves the needle for you. Love it. And what I also love is that in May, um, during the income report that we had and we were sharing via this, this podcast, you know, we talked about how we closed the doors to podcasters paradise. And we did a four day close. And for the month of May, um, we closed those doors and what the results were when we, we weren't having new members come in, but we were upgrading the tutorials and we brought on new staff to train them and did some really cool things. Um, if you want to learn more about the specifics of that uh, closing of the Paradise Doors to the new members, check out May's income report. We go into a ton of detail. Um, now it's June's um, income report. And what we did at the beginning of June is we reopened the doors to Podcasters Paradise. So we closed the doors at the beginning of May, did what we had to do. Kate and I did a bunch of traveling as well, got back, reopened the doors at the beginning of June. And we really rocked that reopening. So eofire.com slash income 22. We get into numbers in the specifics. We're not going to do so on this podcast right now. 
But just know that we had a really interesting and cool and successful strategy for the reopening, which I'd love for you to check out um, on the post, eofire.com slash income 22. Uh, what we're going to move into now is the June 2015 income breakdown. Where exactly did our dollars come from? And products and services have always been our major revenue generator. Same thing in June. Um, we did 360K uh, for product and service. Paradise was $218,000. Webinar on Fire was $23,000. Our sponsorship revenue, Kate, is this right? $105,000 in the month of June. That's our biggest month ever. We were close to breaking six figures the month before, um, but $105,000 for the month of June in sponsorship revenue. Our mastermind was, again, um, $10,000. That was Fire Nation Elite. Uh, We just celebrated our two-year anniversary. Uh, Affiliate income's always strong for us. We did $27,800. $3,300 of that was Bluehost. Uh, Lead pages was $1,400. We did a great joint webinar with Davis Eitman Garland where we brought in $8,700 for Create Awesome Online Courses, which was awesome, and that's recurring revenue for the next 12 months or so because uh, that's a pay-by-the-month course. So that's really cool what we were able to do there. And our total gross with all of that combined was $388,643. Expenses, $96,000. And we list out all of those expenses there um, as well as our recurring for actually a total after we added in the recurring for 98000 for a net profit of $290,174. So very successful month net profit-wise, um, and we get into details about why we did have such a drop-off of $136,000 from May into June. Still obviously awesome numbers, but a big drop-off from the five twenty-five we brought in last in May last month, and we talk about that. So if you're interested eofire.com slash income 22. And we're going to wrap up here with Kate sharing our lessons learned in June. So Kate, talk to us about pivoting. So I love this topic because I think it's something, I know it's something that we all encounter as entrepreneurs. We are all going to come to that fork in the road. We are all going to be in that dip at one point or another where we have to decide whether or not what we're working on is something we should continue working on. Or is it time for us to move on? Is it time for us to pivot, start doing something a bit differently? And something that happened for us in June, which was a difficult decision, but I really feel wholeheartedly that it was the right decision to make, is that we shut down our Podcasters Paradise Hub meetups. They were something that we've been trying to get going since Q4 of 2014. So we've definitely given it a good amount of time to catch fire, so to speak. And we even trained one of our newest team members, Lisa, to help us really gain some momentum and traction for these hub meetups. But you know what? We know how important setting smart goals for everything that you work on in your business is. And because I had very specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely goals set for the Paradise Hub meetups, I was able to take a step back and objectively say, this is not working. 
This is not doing what we actually want it to do. And because of that, it's time for us to move on. Again, a really tough decision to make, but that was a huge lesson learned for me in June for us as a team as a whole, John, because I talked to you about this and, you know, I definitely wanted your input on whether or not it was time to move on from this. Um, we had actually done a pivot a few months ago by changing it from quarterly to monthly. So I had already felt like we had given it its run. We had put in all the time and energy and weren't seeing what we wanted back in return. So we knew it was time to move on. You can check out a lot more details about the whole thought process, what we did when we pivoted, what we did to actually move on, the types of communications that we sent out to the community to let them know about it and all that good stuff in the income report, eofire.com slash income 22. And there's just kind of one final thought that I want to kind of put an exclamation point on here because it's such a an important topic is we're going to come to these forks in the road as entrepreneurs all the time. And this is the reality. You can't always focus on what could be the loud minority as opposed to the silent majority. It's not always going to be the case, but you know, in this specific example, it was. We definitely had a few people that were screaming from the top of their lungs in you know, very positive ways that, hey, we want in-person meetups. We will run these hubs. You know, We want to get together in person with other podcasters. And we listened to them. And we, we knew it was the right decision to do because it, it deserved an honest effort. And we gave that honest effort. You know, We let um, who turned out to be the, uh, the loud minority um, dictate the, 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 the customer, um, sorry, not the customer hubs, but the actual hub meetups. And they weren't working at first. So did we shut it down? No. Like Kay said, we pivoted and we said, okay, you know, maybe there's too big a space in between with the quarterlies. You know, we definitely can't make it less than that because, you know, once every three months isn't working. Let's try to spice this up and really double down on this. So we went to monthly and the attendance just wasn't there. We were putting in so much time, so much effort. And the reality is, you know, we live in a virtual world. Somebody that lives on one side of Chicago, you know, just wasn't willing after a hard day's work to commute what could be 30, 45, an hour for what's going to end up being an hour to two hour hangout, you know, with other podcasters. And that's what ended up being the reality. So I'm glad we gave it an effort because, um, you know, there were a percentage of paradisers were really wanting it. You know, we wanted to make it happen if it was possible. It ended up not being possible um, to, to keep it sustainable. So we have decided to do that next and final step, which is move on. So go through that process and just realize that, hey, sometimes things are going to click and catch fire and sometimes things aren't. But to always be evaluating things using that acronym, the SMART goals, so critical, so important always getting feedback and always taking the real pulse and realizing that, you know, hey, this could be a, a, a loud minority as opposed to the silent majority who just, you know, much prefers being able to log on to one of our monthly Q&A sessions where, you know, we get hundreds and hundreds of people live every single month. So uh, I think I'll kind of wrap up there and Kate, turn it back over to you to kind of take us take us home. Um, thanks for joining us again, Fire Nation. It's been a blast. June's been a great month. We're looking forward to July and beyond. And uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, always look forward to hanging out with you every month for these monthly income reports. Thank you so much for tuning in. And 
I will also catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, thank you for joining us on Entrepreneur on Fire. Visit eofire.com for links to everything we chatted about today, as well as killer resources, gifts, and so much more. Are you ready to rock your own webinar? Visit thewebinarcourse.com and sign up for our free 10-day webinar course today. Have an inspired day and ignite.